The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 71 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and <laughs> that's Fish Sticks, that's ZP, and that was Jake, and then now he, now he reappears. I'm back. <laughs> What's up, guys? We may or may not be joined by Jake. Oh, there he is. <laughs> well, Jake's a superhero. Sometimes you have to walk off camera to right the wrongs of the world. <laughs> My fans know about the chair stream. The chair stream? <laughs> Dude, chair streams can get a lot of viewers, man. Lots of people have been proving that. But uh, thanks for joining us, Jake. Big weekend this weekend for uh, Team USA. So really happy we were able to catch you post-celebration mode. Tuesday is far enough removed from, from that. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to, <laughs> I'm a little bit more, more relaxed now. Move, move past the hype phase, but still feeling great. Definitely good. Definitely good. Uh, ben, how you been, man? Yeah, I know. I saw you on cam too. Yeah, pretty good. I made it onto the onto the broadcast. That's right. Not the I way I would have liked, but I made it onto the broadcast eventually. Uh, I was down there in Santa Monica just enjoying. But we're joined by uh, someone who qualified for the World Cup and someone who casted the event. Yes, as well today. Mm -hmm. Hello, ZP and, and Jake. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I will say, like me and Hex were really surprised, like in the middle, because we're just saying they're just like, you know, you know, throws to Malik and like, yeah, Malik's here uh, for an interview. It's like with uh, Ben. I'm just like, wait, what? Ben's <laughs> here. Like ben, Ben's on camera. What's going on? I had to. I had to be. I, I'm only in San Francisco, so I had to make the flight down. They flashed oh, you a couple of times. I saw you a few times in the crowd, too. So I actually saw you for sure. And then that interview, of course, we all saw you. <laughs> for the record, it feels like I teleported from Sunday into Tuesday because, of course, like events, like you're meeting tons of people. Of course, you're sort of burning the oil on both ends. Right. And I think I slept about 14 hours last night. So my Monday went away pretty quickly, but feeling pretty good here on Tuesday. Okay, well, perfect timing then. So we can, uh, of course, this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about this past weekend and World Cup and the final group stage that uh, really solidifies what, what we're going to be seeing at BlizzCon. And then um, lots of team news and player news that uh, is all surrounding the Overwatch Contender Season 1, which starts this week also. And uh, as well as just some general team news too, that with uh, you know some of the big names and or big teams that we we grown to love, some big changes there. And then uh, finally, a question for Q and A. And if you guys are interested in writing in a question, go ahead and email us at theoverview@chamanv.tv, and we'll try to read them out. If not this week, then we'll get it next week. But okay, let's start with World Cup Burbank. And uh, yeah, it was a, an amazing weekend, especially for Team USA advancing, but also for Team UK, which I believe wasn't getting nearly as much, um, I don't know, just generally, it wasn't getting as much credit as USA and as Taipei going into it. Uh, a lot of people not picking UK to get through it, but boy, they, they were just as dominant or potentially even more dominant if you look at the actual record because they didn't actually lose a a set at all so um first off i want to talk to jake given that you are uh, obviously on team usa and one of the leaders on team usa so give us the lowdown on the whole experience and you know just just how it was for you guys while you were there yeah it was such a blast to like 
just I mean that was my first LAN event, so it was like just a fun time to like hang out with everyone. And I mean we'd already met at E3, like all the um, Team yep. USA people, but still it was pretty sweet to um, like go to actually compete together at a serious tournament event. That's like a huge moment for a team of any kind, and you know a national team no less so. Um, yeah, I mean, it was amazing to do that well. The UK did exceptionally well as well. Um, I would love to play them. And, <laughs> I was hoping and, to see it, dude. Scrims and matches, <laughs> but I'm glad we didn't have to to qualify. Yeah, seriously. The, you know, as, as, as shown, they were the uh, one of the top two teams in, in the group stage, um, as were we. I think um, it would have been close for sure. We, had, we actually scrimmed them after their match versus Germany uh, to warm up for our game versus Germany, and I think we went 1-1 in maps. Um, and both maps were quite close. So it would have been quite a series, I imagine. Um, yeah, was definitely happy not to see... Yeah, yeah. I was definitely happy that you guys didn't have to play each other in the end because I was wanting both of you guys. I feel like other rounds, there were two teams that I wanted to go and they would end up having to play each other. You know, So it was just like heartbreaking that one of them had to go home. Thankfully, that didn't happen this time around. One of the things I think was really cool, uh, both a part of like the UK and uh, Team USA doing well, is that I think there's a sort of conception in the community that a team being a full team when not in the World Cup was some sort of like gigantic, insurmountable advantage. The only <laughs> right. team that people were giving a pass to was South Korea going, well, but it makes sense because they have such good players. I think what Team USA and Team UK were able to prove is that they also have very good players. And it's not just South Korea that can put together a team of different players that aren't necessarily on the same team across the board, but mm -hmm. still develop team synergy and make it work. Where I think overall, there was sort of this feeling going in where it was to varying degrees. Like you had people who thought that Chinese Taipei had a small edge and would get over, say, Team USA, but it'd be close. And then you had people going in and saying that Team USA had absolutely no shot because off the pure basis that Chinese Taipei was a full team. So... I think hopefully this has sort of shaken this idea that you have to be a full team to be taken seriously in these types of events. It's about putting together a team of good people that work well together. And that's something that Team USA did over a series of tryouts. And they did put together a very good squad, as did the UK. Yeah, I mean, on that note, actually, Jake, I, let's talk about your preparation going into this tournament. Uh, talking to a couple people behind the scenes, uh, they mentioned that the, the USA team... In every spare moment that you guys had, you were talking about strategy, you were putting your heads together, figuring out uh, uh, the synergies that you need to, to get in place uh, to make this happen for your team. Um, I, I'll agree with ZP. Like, I was putting a lot of stock in uh, uh, putting a lot of stock against teams like Taipei because they are a pro team and they, they've been practicing together for so long. So, talk to us a little bit about some of the preparation, the scrim regimen, or how you guys just got to this point. I mean, I think the thing is, we all saw, like, the that was, like, the popular opinion, you know, on, on Reddit and other social media sites of just, like, yeah, okay, Team USA is, like, kind of a disappointment this year. There's no chance. Like, you know, these full rosters are just going <laughs> to... It's like, you know, they might do well. They might be, you know, New Zealand, Brazil. But, I mean, are they even going to be Brazil, right? Like, you know, that's the kind of way people were talking, I think, in, uh, prior to the group stage. I think we all, as players on the team, were, like, not at all... Uh, uh, bothered by that because like when we, we would scrim like tier one uh, professional u.s teams and like roll them and and other like u.s or other world cup teams and roll them like we were really not losing oh, really like almost anything in scrims so we, we we felt like you know like okay whatever if these people could see these results they would they would probably think differently 
So I think we, we always had that confidence going in. I think uh, what Kyle had said prior to the tournament was that I don't know exactly how good this team is yet, but playing flash rolls will be a very big litmus test for that um, mm-hmm. because it's going to sort of place them better or place us rather better rather uh, in the global uh, hierarchy, if you will. Yeah. Um, I think we'll absolutely need to improve and get stronger, especially like deepening our strap book in terms of getting ready to go again in South Korea at BlizzCon. Um, and you know the other strong teams at BlizzCon, but, <laughs> it's just uh, South Korea and the other teams. Well, I mean, you're meant, gonna have to be South Korea. That's the to mentality. Yes. No matter what, you're, like you know, you're gonna have to be South Korea. <laughs> I'm sure every every single team going to BlizzCon, if you if you're looking to win, you should have that mentality. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, if you so don't here's the South Korea. That's a gift. So here's an interesting question I have here, Jake. Where I'd say like I think part of the reason why team or people might have been underrating Team USA a little bit might be the idea of like players are really familiar with it and players are not. I would argue that going into it, people were very familiar with you, Sinatra, and Adam because you guys had been more uh, just in Adam's case, he's been C9 for ages. Sinatra was a part of like really dominant selfless teams and of course you had a long stretch with LG Evil where you guys were doing incredibly well going back to events like Carbon Series, etc. Do you think that people were kind of sleeping on Rockus, Fact Fiction, and Matt because FaZe was kind of mm-hmm. in a rough spot and Fnatic was out of it for a while? Because I feel like people weren't really giving them a whole lot of credit and thus were underrating Team USA even more so than perhaps they should have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people saw that FaZe hadn't been so successful for like a long time in the scene. So they, you know, sort of painted uh, uh, Fact and Rockus with that same brush. Um, but I think they showed at the group stage that that's just not the case, right? Like, that they as individual players are incredibly yes. talented and certainly not the issue with any professional teams. And now look at FaZe, right? They're doing a ton better. They've really improved a lot. And just after some very, very recent roster changes coming into contenders. So I think it'll be, um, I think this is sort of a vindication for them because they are, you know, the talented players. Like, And I think the thing is, if you ask like a professional player or people in the scene, they would actually probably have a better understanding of like, no, no, these are really, really good players. Yeah. But it's very easy, I think, to associate an individual with, you know, how their team is doing. Um, so like, uh, you know, you look at a team, say, look, oh, that's a tier two, you know, US team. So like, why are you putting the, a tier two US player on, you know, Team USA? But I think the reality is that, you know, that's not, that's not how you should judge individuals, especially when you're trying to assemble a completely new roster, you know, like the, the, the holes you have to fill in terms of coordination and in terms of like, uh, like roles are, are, you know, going to be unique. And just because a player maybe isn't finding a ton of success on their professional team, it doesn't mean that they're not. The perfect pick for a national team. Okay, so I'm going to throw something out there, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on it. So, so Chinese Taipei, we're we're obviously talking about how underrated Team USA was, no question. I don't think any any of us can question that at, at this point. But Chinese Taipei came in as one of the favorites for a reason. You know, it wasn't just because they were you know a pre-made team already. It was because they they had destroyed Australia like the times that they were they played them and Australia got through. So Chinese Taipei was coming in as a favorite because they were a strong team. So how much of this weekend was them like underperforming or, or were they actually just overrated? Well, go go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think it's uh, definitely a mix of both. I would say that. Chinese Taipei definitely was thrown off by the environment they played in because, of course, playing an OPC, they had a much more uh, friendly crowd than what you had moving into the Santa Monica group stage, where, of course, you're up against Team USA, and then anytime you lose a team fight, what are you hearing? You're hearing, like, USA, USA. Even though I, I know there's noise <laughs> canceling all the rest, it's still difficult to drown all of that out. Yeah. But, I mean, they did appear to be somewhat uncomfortable. I don't think 
anyone could look at that and say that they were playing really up to where they were. Like their engagements were messier than usual. Bacon Jack wasn't getting quite as much done in normal. Like mm -hmm. across the board, like in any measurement of how you look at a team, Chinese Taipei was not playing as well as they otherwise have been. However, I do think there was a case where it's sort of because they had the regional dominance in OPC and it did really seem like they'd really been bloodied too much and they did look really strong versus uh, Australia or Team Blank when they played them, that they sort of probably got talked up a little bit over where they actually were. And there's also this general idea to underrate Western teams. They go, you know, the entire meme of NA Overwatch where teams in the Western scene sometimes get underrated when getting compared to their Eastern counterparts. So I think you mix both of those two together. That's how you get mm -hmm. the recipe for what happened in Santa Monica, where you had team USA and UK come out really strong and, you know, Chinese Taipei compared to what people might've expected came in weaker than what people thought mm -hmm. they would be seeing. Yeah. I, I haven't had enough time to watch flash wolves to know if they played significantly below their kind of standard, but going into this, I'll fully admit, I'll take the L on this one. <laughs> I was overrating the hell out of this team. Because not only were they dominant at OPC, they apparently are also dominant against Australia, who made it through, and Cool Matt in chat right now, letting us know how he thinks about Australia's chances now, uh, <laughs> given the fact that a team like this is riddle, man. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I was even hearing rumors, and now I'm starting to question if these rumors were true, but I was hearing rumors prior to the world uh, this World Cup group stage that flash wolves take takes maps off korean teams and scrims i mean I've, i heard that from more than one source and I, I, going in i'm just like okay wow this team has got to be one of the best in fact i didn't think there was a chance that they weren't going to qualify i thought they might qualify uh through their groups in first place and of course no offense jake but this, this is just going for off these rumors that taipei uh aka flash wolves has even taken maps off top korean teams which now I'm, I'm starting to question if that's actually true. But yeah, I mean, this this was a huge surprise for, I think, most people. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just like way out of the loop. But a lot of people were uh, uh, had the consensus that Taipei, um, Flash Wolves, was just going to go through in this stage. Uh, so seeing the UK go through instead was actually a massive upset in my mind. I, in my mind, it's a, I understand why thematically a lot of people would see it as a massive upset. For me, though, I mean, just like evaluating all of it, I knew that Team USA had put together something really strong because, of course, I talk a lot with different members of Team USA and like I did want to fall through or like follow it from afar and figure out, okay, what's going on with this team, even though I wasn't on the committee. So for me, just knowing the strength of the players of Team USA, it didn't really come as a big surprise to me. I actually had USA a little bit favored going in here, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a case where it really depends on what factors you put a lot of your valuation on. And I think the case there is that for Chinese Taipei, there's certainly a lot of value put on the idea that they were very strong in OPC, and it was thought that that would carry over, I suppose. How close were the matches, Jake? I mean, was it actually close between Chinese Taipei? And they, they were definitely the third best team, without a doubt, in um, in the group, I would say. Uh, I think for us, when we're going into that last day, when it was, you know, we play Chinese Taipei at 10 a.m., and then if we win, we play at 6 p.m. versus, I mean, we were pretty sure it was going to be Germany. And if we lose, we would play at um, 8 p.m. or, you know, ended up being a little bit ahead of schedule, but versus uh, the U.K. So our feeling was that we have to beat Taiwan or the U.K., but we honestly felt that the UK was a tougher opponent. We felt that if we lost to Taiwan, it would be very, very, very hard to be qualifying. 
Um, that's not really, it's really a bad position to come out losing that series because the other thing about the event, which you know I wasn't a huge fan of, which was, it was that we had to play at 10 a.m. and then our next match was I think it ended up being at 5 p.m. Wow, starting. So uh, that's really bad. Like you don't want to play a really high intensity series, especially like us versus Taiwan. You know, one of the most hyped series. Like we're both undefeated. We're going into this. We both know that this is basically like our best chance of qualifying is winning this match. We both teams were probably very very aware of that. Of that. Um, so we went into that and gave everything. We were like, this is the series. Like, if we win this, we're going to BlizzCon. That was our feelings about it, I would say. Um, we kind of knew that Team Germany was a much weaker opponent. Um, and then I think is the thing is, for us even winning, I think we played worse against Germany than we did against mm-hmm. uh, Chinese yeah. Taipei. I think we were way less clean, way less coordinated. But, like, it, you know, we were we were tired. It has been a long day. And, we, you know, trying to maintain that intensity over 10 hours is impossible, really. Um and I would say the 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 thing I can't imagine is imagine if you lose that series like like Chinese Taipei did. Now you know you're not you're not like riding a high of like yeah we're 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 doing it going into the, the final series of the day. You're like wow we got slammed and this team everyone thought we were gonna win like and the whole crowd like is cheering for the other team like that is a really hard place to be going into a series mm-hmm. against Team UK and especially a team like Team UK that has such like talented individual skill where if you make mistakes, they will punish them and they're going to punish them hard. You know, that's a team that you don't want to be going into feeling uh, uh, anything less than 100%. So I would say the scheduling was really unfortunate. It was kind of like do or die in that series versus Chinese Taipei. Um, but, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I think, I don't want to say overrated because that's like, it's almost like I'm talking down to the team or, or trash talking them. And I do have a lot of respect for that team. They're very good. But I would say overrated in the sense that you know, the, people saw them beating, you know, Team Australia, and they were like, wow, that's crazy. But, but like, honestly, Team Australia is not winning BlizzCon. Um, mm-hmm. I say that with a very, very, very high confidence. Um, no offense to that. <laughs> it's not First round opponent. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would say if there's one thing I think you can't say is already, though, just because it cuts across multiple different things and not just um, Chinese Taipei, is that I think in the future, like, there's definitely a part where people should perhaps not put too much stock into the idea of it's a full team yes that can help but it's like it's a minor modifier it's not like some major insurmountable modifier the players that play overwatch are smart and if you put together a good team you can get really good teamwork have players that maybe haven't played together as long and i would actually argue that going forward in the overwatch when you look at how that the way that you know overwatch league teams may be built all the rest you're not going to be seeing as much of like you know, a full group of six players that have been together forever and are such, you know, just good camaraderie and all the rat and all that. No, I think for something like Overwatch League, what you're probably going to be seeing more of is intelligent GMs evaluating players of their strengths and going, can this player work well with this group? Let's mix and match and put together the strongest possible team. Mm-hmm. So have more faith that really smart and adaptable players can work together rather quickly if there's good leadership involved, don't think that players have to be playing with each other for, you know, six, eight months or more to have a good result. Okay. Well, I, th- I think this segues into discuss- discussions that we're surely going to have later about mm-hmm. all the team and player swaps that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, seeing how UK and US played in this World Cup is opening my mind to all the different combinations that we're probably going to be seeing. Like the teams that you know today, uh, and we've talked about this in previous episodes of the show, are probably going to be smashed apart and reformed almost entirely for OWL. At least that's the sense that a lot of folks are are getting right now. And I think this just reaffirms, like, 
these teams that have been playing together for months that, you know, we thought were the best of the best. Well, now Jake is saying that the Team USA, who's only been playing together for a little while, is actually beating other already formed pro teams. Mm -hmm. And we saw that against Flash Wolves, and we saw that against Israel. And so I I'm just really excited right now. I think it's an incredibly interesting time to be tuning into competitive Overwatch because everything is about to change. Yeah, yeah, totally. But getting back to just the, the matches, I mean, this was... A lot of highlight reels <laughs> throughout the entire weekend. And Jake, you happen to be in quite a few of these highlight reels. So um, I, I would say that, Jake, you and I think like Mikey had some. Boombox would have some. I mean, Sinatra. It seemed like a little bit of everybody were having these big moments. But definitely, you had huge, huge moments. Like at the end of Lunar Colony, that juke on Winston, I think, made Reddit and was you know got upvoted like crazy. So um, yeah, overall, I mean grade your play like this weekend because that, I, I think you were one of the biggest topics of this weekend i mean i don't know you can't you can't rate your own yourself it's i mean of I course feel like, you uh, can come on people dude. you know people seem to like what <laughs> i was doing you talk it. about the the uh the, the post that you made after the fact about uh, how you got into the zone and how that felt there you um, go there you go yeah 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 i mean i'd say in those moments you know i sort of like knew that it was time to make a big play the winston juke was uh, it had actually earlier in that map, like the, the the last primal rage, the Winston had done exactly the same thing to me and knocked me off the map in exactly that position. <laughs> so I was ready for what he was gonna do, which was cast his leap right when I was like, right when he was going for the final punch to take me off the mm -hmm. map. So by like one eightying and doing like a strafe, then I I got like just a little bit past his That's him sick. on the leap in, inside, and then you know used the the punch to actually send me back in and escape the primal. Um, which is big because it effectively defuses an ultimate, and you know also lets me save rockets and get a kill. Which is from that point, you're not really going to lose the fight. It's a it's a big play in that sense. Kind of lucky in the sense of you know I just happened to be there, right place, right time for the tracer here. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know from there it's just like there's no more pressure to be going on me. Adam gets a great boop on the self destruct, and we close the map out. Uh, which is kind of what we need in that fight. I mean, we might have won otherwise, but but definitely if Rockus dies and I die there, that's going to be a very different situation. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, things like this, it's like, there's a lot of team play, I would say, that goes into making, you know, any any one situation. So it's like, it's easy to, as as a spectator, to be like, oh, look, like, here's the big play right, of course. on the screen. I know mm -hmm. what's going on, especially when you catch it on cam and it's not just like a kill feed from an ult. Um, but, you know, like... There's no, there's no play that is truly individual in Overwatch. It's, it's just like nothing you can do. Almost, almost nothing is, is truly yeah. like a solo play. I mean, the uh, entire team played great. I mean, there's no question. Like Matt, I, I'd say made a lot of huge plays that I, I might not have gotten enough credit. They, like, you know, in a lot of half ways. the pulse bombs. <laughs> exactly. Like, was amazing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was super entertaining, at least from a spectator standpoint, super hype, you know, seeing those. I think these are the type of plays that are necessary, too, you know, in terms of of um, Overwatch just getting just this event and everything getting a lot of hype. And whenever, whenever it happens during big matches, too, that's when everything just kind of snowballs and it, and it gets a lot of attention. Uh, so it's great getting a chance to see that. And, you know, like Fishsticks and ZP, I mean, these type of plays, you know, for individuals, do you think... When teams are looking at Overwatch League and and um, you know trying to sign players, that these type of things have a big impact on on people, you know, making those decisions. They certainly help. I would hope that any GM that's looking to evaluate would look at the totality of a player's work and you know also consult with other people, go for tryouts and that sort of thing. But 
yes, Big Hero plays being on a visible stage like the Overwatch mm-hmm. World Cup help a whole lot in raising a player's stock. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many memorable moments. Uh, and those will stick out. I mean, mm-hmm. the one thing that resonates the best with like uh, team owners and sponsors is that crowd reaction. Is those hype moments? So, absolutely, that's gonna that's gonna have a big impact. And uh, I want to ask about my personal favorite moment from the entire tournament, which was <laughs> at the very end of Nepal. Uh, it was uh, it was shrine. Yeah, I think it was shrine. Uh, the very end, when you guys were down, Germany reclaimed the point. They had something like 86%. There was barely enough time for you to get on the point. What was going through your mind in that moment? I mean, I think it was you throwing your 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 translocator that actually extended it into the OV overtime. <laughs> you were down four versus six in that last engagement. Did you? What did you think about that fight? Like, I thought it was over for sure. I thought there was no way you were holding. I mean, it's one of those t- times where you just like that's that's what happens when you refuse to give up, right? It's very easy to be like, okay, look, we're down five, and they're at like ninety, and like I'm respawning, and they're at ninety, so I have like ten seconds to make it to the point, basically. And realistically, if you're making a mad dash to the point, you aren't winning the fight. Mm-hmm. So I went with the fastest character to roll out, which is Sombra, always Sombra. If you're in that situation when you all you're looking to do is touch for overtime, Sombra's almost every single map in the game, the quickest character, assuming you already have a tracer. Um, so when Sombra, you know, used Invis, did the quick rollout, and then, uh, you know, just threw the translocator in. I was a couple seconds ahead of time, so I could just wait until the actual, like, 98 teleport in, die, get over time. And, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's just, like, sort of a, a rote memorization play. It's like, you, you know, anyone can do that. It doesn't matter how good you are or whatever. You just sort of practice the, you know, you run Invis, and you throw the translocator, press the translocator button. It's not, like, a, a crazy difficult play. But it's just, like, refusing to give up, knowing that, like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe my team can win this. You know, I know it's a small chance. Um, but all, like, if I don't do this, it's game over. So it, it's a 100% play. You're always going to make it. Um, so I went for it, got the overtime uh, ticking, or you know, just got the got the touch for overtime, and then you know, instantly died. Sinatra runs in, one clips the soldier who actually their their support player had gone soldier, which I think was a really key mistake there, because uh, had he been on Zen, he would have been a lot better at defending himself from a tracer potentially. But so not regardless, whatever happens, you know, Sinatra rolls in, one clips the soldier. Uh, continues the overtime for a little bit, then backs out, and you know at that point we have Adam rolling back with the sound barrier. Uh, people are able to stabilize; they, they lose picks, and then I'm back on Genji. And at that point, we just sort of close it out. We snowball from that that soldier pick by Jay and him staying alive for the whole fight. But I mean, that's just a thing of like, it's like when there's you're the only player who can make that play. I was the only one who's going to respawn in time, and obviously Adam can't switch because sound barrier is the only way we're actually going to win that map. Mm-hmm. Um, so I roll out, you know, go Sombra, just, just get the OT bar because it's just a matter of like believing in your team. You know, you're like, I'm gonna give my, t- I'm gonna give everything, and just give my team one more chance, right? And that's that's yeah. all I can do right now, and that's that's so it's always the play you're gonna do. Um, Dude, I just remember being in the back room with uh, <clears throat> Hex and Flame, and we are watching that going. All right, there's absolutely no way that you guys are gonna bring this back. <laughs> like this is over. It's now evened up one one, and that's like, well, they're still alive. Wait. Wait, comes the style barrier. Like, it's like, <laughs> how, how is this happening? Like, yeah, it was, it was a mix. That's of Overwatch where, for you. It's one of those things where really it's always a mix of two things, right? Where there's no doubt about the part where going into that final fight, it wasn't necessarily played well by Germany, where they should have been able to close it out. But you guys played very well in bringing it back. And it did turn into like one of the most ridiculous, just mm-hmm. crazy moments in Overwatch history of you guys being able to bring that map back. 
I just remember uh, one of our production guys coming back in is like, man, you guys see Team Germany after that? They did not look happy. It's like, <laughs> yep. But I, I don't think that's something you want to be super happy about when you're on the receiving end of that. But it, it was yeah. just ridiculous. It's It was definitely one of the better comebacks I think we've seen. Yeah, it, it, guys, if you haven't watched this map, you really have to. I went back earlier today and was just freeze framing those last seconds. Like <laughs> it, you, your translator, you translocate when it ticks to ninety nine percent. Like literally within the last half a second. It, it's just those are the moments that I think are going to make this game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's really, like really, really important to have a situation like that, and, and even the timing of it too. Right? It's towards the end of the series too, so I mean, it's it's very fortunate that well, with a lot of the timing and, and things like being like, uh, you know, ha having them just actually happen in the most optimal way too, from an entertaining standpoint, entertainment standpoint. Um, but let's talk about the crowd a little bit. So going into the Burbank one, I was, you know, and, and we just finished. Wait, 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 I, 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 need, I need to stop you on one thing. Wait, You've been okay. saying Burbank repeatedly. Oh, Nothing it's not Burbank. was in Burbank. Oh, it's not it was Burbank. In Santa sorry. Monica. Santa Monica. I keep saying calling Burbank. Is that they, one they, 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 they Yeah, the original plan was yeah. Burbank, yeah. but it's, it's, no. it's Santa Monica. Shoot, I should, <laughs> I should put that in there. <laughs> we stayed far away from uh, Burbank. We okay, were okay. In okay. Sunny Santa Monica in a hangar. Okay, so that's right. We were in a hangar. So, anyway, let's talk about the crowd. Given that, um, you know, we were just coming from Katowice, and that was in the studio obviously over there so it wasn't there wasn't like much of a crowd there even though the setup was quite nice in there and so the uh the standard we'd had going into that was australia right in, in sydney with just that that awesome crowd so i was hoping really really hoping that the u.s crowd would you know be on par or even better than the sydney crowd and uh you know i was definitely very very happy with it you know being led by by y'all leader Captain Planet and his giant flag <laughs> waving and in the tight I don't know his blue tights and everything that was pretty epic man dude of anything anyone expected coming into the Santa Monica stage no one expected Captain Planet in a bodysuit <laughs> that was not dude, I gotta that I gotta read this up I gotta read this up it did happen where is it where is it here we go we gotta show everybody this. Uh, Actually, Ben, were you sitting next to Captain Planet at all during this? Um, I was in the front, but a different part of the front. <laughs> okay. Uh, so no, I was okay. Not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was like college football style, you know, like running across the stage and waving your your school banner. But you know, this was USA flag, so super, super hype. <laughs> Definitely good stuff there. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the crowd was was great. I mean, I think that it added a lot to the the broadcast itself. You know, whether uh, it's just the setup with the desk. Being obviously in front of the crowd and people wave, you know, putting up their their uh, posters and everything, and, and just getting that that kind of interaction too. There were some funny uh, snapshots we saw with reinforce and you know and, and things like that. But um, overall, yeah, what was the crowd like live there um, as a player, Jake? Like, did you feel the crowd out there or no? As a player, it was awesome. The crowd was a total seventh man for us um, uh, for for the the group stage. It was just like. You know, there's a great feeling when, like, every time you make a you make a huge play, you know, or like like your mm -hmm. team, you know, wins a point, the crowd just roars. You total, it's like a total momentum for your team. Like everybody is totally focused on the next fight. You're like, let's keep going, like keep this rolling. Um, you know, when you lose fights, people are quiet. You're like, all right, it's fine. Like refocus, refocus. You know, and I think that was a big thing for us as a team. Of like, it's such a huge thing to be playing with that crowd. Like teams really did. I know, like especially Team Germany and. Um, uh, Chinese Taipei, I'm sure. Like, it's not fun to play against that when you're losing a fight and the crowd roars. Like, that's a feels bad, man. And like, that's it's like very difficult to to. It's the absolute opposite of riding momentum. It's a total way to stifle your momentum, right? 
um, or, or, you know, help the other team steamroll. So I, I think it was out, huge for us to have a crowd that supported, like definitely made us play better without a doubt. Um, so a huge shout out to everyone who came out and supported. Um, yeah, just, just, yeah. All I just to add on to that, by the way, it was also a big part when casting. So like the two games Hex and I did when we casted Team USA, you cast that in a way that's almost different in a sense because anytime there's a huge play, you kind of want to let off and stop talking when you have a huge crowd war where in most of the games we did, uh, you know, the crowd was still loud, but not like crazy loud. So the match would end and we would talk as normal, but anytime we would end a team USA map, the crowd was just losing their minds or just like, <laughs> we're going to stop and like, let this breathe. Let everyone listen to how hyped this crowd is for what's going on. And you would also hear it in game where, you know, it'd be like, yep, even the crowd agrees with this play as you know, you get a two or three K, K pulse bomb from Sinatra or something, and the crowd just like loses its mind. And y you want to respect that and like sort of incorporate it to the broadcast if you can. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these big tournaments, especially team games like, you know, League of Legends, all the players, they're playing inside of booths, you know, so they don't actually get a chance to really feel the crowd. So given that, you know, you guys are playing in an environment where you can hear the sound, you can feel it. I mean, overall, what do you guys think of that? I mean, I actually think that's a better thing, right? I mean, there's all clearly home field or home, whatever, studio advantage <laughs> whenever you're doing it. What is that tail, man? That's, all, that's awesome. Is that a real That is a real cat. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah, pretty the, cool. There's a real cat. Yeah. We've been joined. Cool. Yes, yes. So you guys meet my cat. Uh, yeah. So what do you guys oh. think? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you guys uh, think I, about I'm sorry, Chris. I forgot the question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do you this think is there a should be photo booths? by Jake, by the way. Like, Jake actually planned the cat well in <laughs> Oh, he just, he just strolled in. You know, he, he does his own thing. So booth or no booth, guys? What do you think is better? I think that's a, I think it's a question for the players. Yeah. I mean, Jake, you said this is your first land, which, by the way, I'm still, like, mind-fucked about, like, wow, this is the first land you've actually played in. But uh, yeah, what, what do you think? Should there be booths? Um, booths are great, but I would say, I would say that the headsets they gave us were like really good. Like, I mean, even for our games where, you know, the crowd was probably louder than anything else. Like it was just a dull roar on a huge play. And like the rest of the time, you like totally couldn't hear it, right? Like the, the soundproof headsets were actually really, really nice. Mm. Um, especially because they weren't like the in-ear ones. Like they were actual headsets that were like, had like the... You know, like like set up like block noise or like the helicopter headsets or something. Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of places they do like just like the noise canceling headphones that have white noise, and then you actually have to use in ears, which is you know kind of crappy because in ears can be uncomfortable and you know the sound quality isn't so good. But the headsets they had were were really great. Like I was like sort of uh, a little taken aback. I was like, hey, maybe Boost would be better, but um, I don't know. The, the headsets were great. Like I, I didn't feel like it was a problem at all. Like I didn't feel like mm, there great. was any issue with it. So th there's kind of a misconception here where people think that the only way of really canceling out most of the noise is using a soundproof booth. But the reality is, is that active noise cancellation technology has come a long way in recent years. And the way it works, it's not just like random noise that deals with it. It's actually what you have in the headsets. You have technology that recognizes certain noises coming in and then creates a counter noise so you don't actually hear anything. Then you combine that with white noise on top of it plus like good manual just sealing out of noise by virtue of how the headset is designed. And then you have earbuds underneath that give you the game noise. The sound that's actually reaching your ears from the outside is very little. Like as Jake will mention, you'll hear like a dull roar or something, but there's really good noise canceling technology there. I think people tend to <laughs> underestimate just how good it really is. Well, well, let's let's go one step beyond that. Cause we're, we're talking about overwatch league now and we're talking about simming 
you know, just these type of home games and away games and what comes along with that. And Jake, you know, you just told us that just home, just having the home crowd was already an advantage just from, you know, hypeness and whenever you're making big plays. Now there's the opposite too, where the home team is booing you, you know, and jeering you. And, and that's actually all poor, part of sports. The question is, is do we want to introduce that into, you know, Overwatch and this type of uh, competitive field? Or do we want that ideal competitive environment that I think most esports try to strive for, where, where it's just quiet, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, like, there, there's, like, a middle ground there in, in that I do think there's, like, you know, some really awesome parts of having a crowd that's insanely hyped for one team, like a crowd that support, like a home crowd, essentially. And I think that really speaks to the you know, maybe silencing some doubts about the franchise model that maybe it's going to be more successful than people expect uh, in, in transitioning to esports. Um, but I would say that, like, you know, there's a, there's a middle ground, right? You don't want it to be like where the crowd is like, you it's like really obviously like the crowd is like drowning out. You know, game sound is actually like affecting the game. But I don't think you're going to stop, be able to stop people from like, you know, uh, uh, like you know, feeling that momentum of the crowd, even if you have. A perfect sound like noise canceling booth if you can look out and see like the whole audience you know jumping to their feet right like you know <laughs> it's the same effect really so i mean the roar is awesome and i think that the way this tournament was run was impressive for me and i think like you know blizzcon owl can can learn a lot from these tournaments and you know i don't think they need to change a whole lot so in my view i, I think it's not a bad thing but maybe i'm biased so maybe if i play in front of a someone else's home crowd it'll be a different story I would say if you take a look at the crowds both in Australia and, of course, uh, in the USA, just uh, those held a weekend ago, that the power of geolocation is real makes for really fun spectating of games. And I think if the hometown has a bit of an advantage because of it, I think that's totally fine. I don't think that people should be going, oh, there has to be purity because, look, you look at any other traditional sport, there is an advantage for playing in front of a friendly crowd. And it's also like a friendly crowd, especially if they know they have a little bit of effect on it, that also encourages people to come out and support their team. It encourages people to band behind their city, their nation, go out and have these like fun experiences with each other and know that, hey, your cheering does matter. It's a good thing, period. If anyone wants to come out and make an argument and go like, no, you must have the most <laughs> sterile and just bland of competitive environments that's 100% fair. It's like, no, home and away games are great right. for esports. Please just, no, I, I, I reject your argument. The only problem is... uh it's all going to be played in L.A. <laughs> well, so, that's the first season, though. So we think for the first season. Uh, first season. I, I have a suspicion that that won't be the case. I have, I have a suspicion that OWL will travel around a little bit. And uh, full disclaimer, I have no insider information whatsoever on this one. It's not a leak. But I really think that, uh, especially given the fact that part of OWL is like, hey, if you have a team, if you have a, a city, you we're allowing you to hold tournaments or competitions there. I think that means that we might see... Uh, competitions happen yeah. in some of the OWL cities, but anyway, that's that's a bit of an aside. But uh, hopefully, yeah, I hope we yeah. see that. Otherwise, the two LA teams are going to have the perpetual home team <laughs> advantage, I guess. Sort of, maybe. It's going to be uh, weird. Be funny funny if, like the LA, that'd be kind of funny if like the LA crowd actually like finds a team that's not the LA team that they like more, uh, just because of like the players or something. I don't know. It's going to be that weird Clipper Laker thing where one of them's a home team and the other's an away team, yet they're playing in the same well, arena they both play in. Well, you're going to get that in the EFL soon now, too, with uh, the Chargers and the Rams uh, going to be playing out of the same stadium. Basically, your West Coast uh, Jets-Giants. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, okay, well, last last thing about uh, the World Cup here is, and the question is, is, are, is there going to be a redraw? Because, you know, like, I think a lot of people went into, you know, this la- this final groups kind of knowing the, what the, the actual top eight brackets were going to look like because of, you know, some information on, on the site before. But then there was talk about there possibly being a redraw. And Ben, you even retweeted that there might even be a redraw like on air, right? So I, I that was my misunderstanding. Uh, yeah, yeah, is there actually going to be one? Like I just right, want to be clarify yes. it to everybody. I mean, I don't know anything specific, and nothing was talked behind the scenes, so I'm not speaking about the official. But I right. thought I remember reading about an official redraw that was going to happen. I mean, I cool. said it on screen. Yeah. There is going to be a redraw. Oh, there yeah. is. Okay. Yeah, okay. I missed that part. Yeah. The brackets that yeah, people thought it was going to sure be like that are not out, those, it was confirmed to me that the brackets that were originally published, like the ones that showed, like, i.e., there's like six teams, and, and then, you know, it's mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. whatever, whatever, and yeah. then, you know, South Korea, Canada, and then, like, the group, the Santa Monica group stage, those are not accurate brackets. This is the confirmation that was made to me. Um, we, were, we were asking this because we we're like, is it, like, is it, does, does beating Taiwan get a, like, guarantee us playing South Korea? Like, that's a bad tournament organization if that works like that. And, you know, Bludgeon was super responsive to that feedback. So I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. I don't know. I have no details about it, but I know that they're going to they're going to have a good way to see BlizzCon. You don't want to put two of the top seeds in a round one matchup. That's just not how tournaments are supposed to go. Yeah, yeah, but it might happen anyway. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. We have anyway. no idea. Yeah, have yeah, no idea. Yeah, I think true. it's going to just be a random draw, uh, to my understanding, which is going to be super interesting. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people will be watching that anxiously. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, the the top eight looks really really good at this point. So, um, is there any particular team you're you're looking to to go against? I mean, I figured it might be UK given how much trash they were talking. Oh, in this terms is... of like, oh, I mean, for us, we just want to play the the teams that we're most confident against. Yeah, of course. Of um, course. And I don't want to I don't want to sling too much trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. It's probably not UK. Probably not um, South Korea. In the finals, yeah, though. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking about whatever first-round matchups, right? And the teams yeah. that I would like on the other side of the bracket um, <laughs> so a, that we don't have to make sense to get to the grand finals. You're looking, you're looking, you're looking, keep exactly. going down the list. We'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Jake, you're looking at this all wrong. If you play South Korea in round one and defeat them, you steal their aura of intimidation, then you get to wear it like a cloak it, around it your It is, it is true. It is USA true. But then again, beating South Korea is also the biggest challenge of the whole tournament, in my mind. So and probably everyone else's mind too. So I think that um, you never want to have that matchup round one. That's just like it, you know, it's like if you lose that matchup, you're like, oh man, we would have beaten so many of these other teams that are making it farther than us. So that's like kind of frustrating. If you win the matchup, it's huge, but you it's still no bigger. <laughs> you're, you're, it's, yeah. you're not going to ever want that matchup in round one. If I pick the brackets, I'm seeing South Korea in the grand finals ten times out of ten. Well, we want to see that. Too, why why would you play the yeah. most the most challenging opponent? before you've beaten the weaker opponents, right? Like, I mean, that, that kind of okay. happened last year. The South Korea's toughest match by far was against the U.S. Jake, Not uh, like it was super close, but... True, true. Let, let me draw, try to draw some spicy beef out of you, though. If you guys go up against uh, France, who ends up winning? Us. <laughs> All right, so what you're what do you want to say? I mean, France is like, France? I don't know, man. I, mean, I don't know. Rogue is not looking super hot, to be honest. Yeah. yeah like, was... Let's see him. Let's see what they do in the next tournament they play. I don't know, like... I think they came back from Korea a lot weaker of a team than they left um, Bene. Mm. I think, like, uh, Soon's wow. confidence is way low, way lower than it used to be. Uh, if you watch the way he plays, it's radically different, way less scary. You're not always afraid of him just, like, flying in and rolling your backline, rolling your tracer. He's, you know, he's a much more conservative player, which, you know, can be good in some situations. Um, 
but you know, in others is, is a real liability. Um, I think uh, some of the players on the team uh, are, you know, absolute powerhouses, but others have struggled, I think, to adapt to, um, you know, slight changes in the dive meta. So I wonder if, you know, if, if the Doomfist patch and, you know, the Zarya changes bring, you know, further changes to these characters, uh, you know, is that going to be a good thing for Rogue? It might, it, might, it might be a really good thing, right? It might return them back to their original dominance, but, you know, it also might push them further away from it. Um, so I, I'm not exactly sure uh, how France will be on the next patch, um, but I would definitely say that they're uh, not going to be as dominant as people might expect looking at, you know, like past NA tournament results. Um, you know, I think Apex really showed a lot, right? Like Envy did significantly better than Rogue with, in my opinion, a harder bracket. So uh, I don't know if people can really say Rogue is like the top team or the top Western team any longer. And that, and the Rogue was the team that I think that that whole discussion we had earlier about just preset teams, right? Rogue came in the favorite actually for World Cup when it was first announced just because they were a preset team. And like you said, I, I don't think that's even close to the case right now. Oh, hey. Uh, speaking of Rogue, mm -hmm. the Rogue Twitter tweeted exactly seven minutes ago. More announcements. Please join us. Welcome Colsty for the Rogue OW squad as a substitute for Overwatch Contender Season 1. I think that's because Ooh. Wins is going to QuakeCon, I think. Really? Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, so Colsty's okay. in. Okay. That's why would, why breaking would news. going to QuakeCon? I don't think the payload takes a stop in QuakeCon. This doesn't make any sense. I, uh, I had million a, dollar that million dollars is, <laughs> is a reason to dinner, go. I had dinner. No, no, with, I know, uh, I know. Just, uh, let the joke. Uh, I was lucky enough yes, to have yes, dinner yes. with uh, Immortals. Uh, you know, we went out to Korean barbecue after, I think, the night we, we beat Brazil. And uh, I was like, I was talking to Fate most of the night. Uh, and, you know, he has really, really impressive English. Like, it's uh, you know, much better than you would expect maybe from someone who's lived in Korea their whole life. Uh, but I I asked him about, we were talking about, you know, all these teams. We ended up talking about Rogue. Uh, and he mentioned wins. Um, uh, all, all he said was that... Like, driving a payload? <laughs> he drives the payload, yeah. He's like, that's his, <laughs> his job, is he say, oh, uh, wins, wins, yeah, wins. The way Rogue likes to play, it's not that Wins is a bad player, but the way, way Rogue likes to play, they're always in your face. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to hold you at the spawn point as soon as they take the point. Somebody has to move so, the payload. Someone's got to push the payload. Like, it's just the way it works. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not convinced it's going to be a huge problem for Rogue if they have to sub Wins up. Yeah. That payload moves slower, though, when there's only one guy on it. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, why don't we wrap up World Cup? Uh, congratulations, obviously, to Team USA as well as Team UK. We I know we didn't spend like a ton of time there, but you know there are a lot of I think um, you know big moments for Team UK too and all their players. And uh, in fact, I think we're about to we're going to talk about one of their players a little bit further down that's joining a team for the contenders. But before we do that, I do want to give a um, a quick reminder to everybody that you can find the overview on iTunes as well as all the other audio channels like Google Play and SoundCloud. Uh, so just look up the overview or look up Overwatch or search for it whenever you're um, you know, on iTunes if you have an iPhone or an iPad. And you can go to soundcloud.com slash and you'll find um, the the overview there too if you want to find it and if you can help us out by leaving us a, a nice rating if you like enjoy the show that actually helps out when people are trying to look up overwatch podcasts they can find the overview uh, but let's move on to overwatch contenders season one and you know outside of the last few days uh, you know uh, actually after our last show I, i'd have to say 
there was no mention of contenders. Like, you know, obviously everybody's talking about World Cup, but not even the schedule was quite out. And I think finally the schedule came out, I think on Friday maybe or a, a Saturday. And so, so people were like, oh yeah, the contenders is happening. I t- totally forgot. And contenders is happening like now. It's like basically in a few days. So uh, immediately after World Cup, we're, we're now changing, you know, our focus to contenders. And, you know, there's a whole new set of teams. And those you might not remember, there's, there's actually a few teams in contenders that have disbanded, you know, and... Right now, or at least at the time, the organizations were just sitting with spots with no teams. So um, some of that has been resolved now. And, um, you know, leading the way, uh, Cloud9 signed Laser Kittens. You know, so uh, they'll be competing in contenders. And they also added Nevix to their squad, too. So um, some changes from Misfits, clearly. I guess we could probably pull in like more of that those news from misfits to reinforce being benched on misfits also so lots of changes there but um yeah cloud nine participating in contenders what do you guys think hey cloud nine uh, made it into contenders congrats guys <laughs> hey man no matter what it takes you know well, i think the clear no thing to really note there though that as far as it goes that it's a clear shift from c9 where they are going from being a North American organization now to an EU organization. Yep. That's a big shift because, of course, with their original roster and what they were always known as as being one of the most dominant North American organizations, obviously they hit troubles in the last few months. But now buying Laserkins, this is a very firm shift to focusing on the EU side of things. And, of course, in addition to OWL News and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be exciting for a lot of folks. You know, obviously, a lot of people love Cloud9, so getting a chance to see that. Another thing, too, is that Misfits is now going away from an all-Swedish team, you know, with the, the, some of the additions that they've been adding. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they, they added Zup. Is it Zupa? Is it Zuppa? Is it Zuppa? 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 Yeah, so they, yeah, so they added Zupa. Which, who's Wait, a, it's almost Swedish. It's, it's five Swedes and a, and a Finn. It's... Pretty it's close. pretty close, yeah. I guess true, but it's not officially a Swedish team, so um, you know maybe they're open at least to, to adding some folks that are not Swedish there. Uh, and then we've got another couple of spots that have been nabbed up too. So Movie Star Rider, they uh, they disbanded uh, um, shortly after Contender Season Zero. And TL recently, with the announcement of most of the roster going back to Quake or uh, leaving for CSGO, they've had an open spot too. So we've got Gamer Origins taking over uh, the Movie Star Writer spot, and then we've got Envision taking over the TL spot. So uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I think for Envision, I mean, they're a case where they did just barely miss out from uh, qualifying for an contender Season 1 back in their place for Season 0. So I think it's a case where you have a pretty strong group of players there that want to make another run at it so for me that's sort of a natural uh, pickup in terms of them going in and riding into that spot i mean i don't like i find it pretty weird that like teams are now buying into contenders <laughs> i don't think this was the intention like the intention of contenders was to provide a pathway for players to like prove themselves and qualify and yeah, that seems to be out the window now as, as teams are getting dropped, no. te- other teams are buying well, in. I think there's ben, actually... ben, you're not thinking anywhere near uh, big enough about this because I think that it's completely within that idea. Because, okay, so let's let, let's do a thought not experiment. Not the long-term here, vision. Like, yes, I don't know. yes. Well, yeah. I, think I, I, I would agree with the long-term. He so needs to have this tier two scene. 
Wait, let's say in the long term. Let me try and get this point out. Yeah. Let's say in the long term that for that contenders like continues to go forward, and let's say it's going at the same time as Overwatch League. Overwatch League is going to need new players to feed into it. If you're an organization and you want to pride yourself on building good players that eventually go to the Overwatch League, wouldn't having a spot in contenders, raising talent, developing them, and then you know getting them signed with an Overwatch League team potentially be profitable? I feel like it could be. And if you want these teams to invest, to develop talent, and be a part of the scene, their spots need to have value. So I, whether or not it was the intent or not for it to work out like this, I don't think it's a bad thing at all that you have this case where there's value in contender spots because the reality is, is that if you want players to get a salary before Overwatch League and that sort of stuff, you're going to need to incentivize orgs <laughs> to build value in this sort of scene. Jake, you got a point you're going to make? Um. <laughs> Sorry, except for the cat. the cat. Someone <laughs> in the chat to see the cat. Um, but what I was going to say is that I think absolutely it's, it's you know follow up on what ZP said. It's absolutely crucial for the tier two scene. You know, like if it were just like casual teams, you know, like just like you know amateur unsponsored teams that were in contenders, that'd be really scary because that means that the only professional players are the Overwatch League players, and if you're not in the Overwatch League, you're doing this on your own dime, and like you just have to like make it before you run out of money, basically, or have to get a real job, which is like. That's scary, right? Like, you, I think it's much better if teams have, you know, academy teams and, you know, uh, contenders teams. And maybe maybe they, like, use them to develop talent, kind of like a AAA league. But, uh, you know, I think um, in, in no way is this a bad thing. Like, I think the more you have, like, people selling spots and, you know, not, not that they're selling them, rather, but it's that someone's buying them. It's that there's a value to these spots uh, and that, that the value has been determined by the market. So that's a really, really good thing for, you know, all the players and organizations that are maybe interested in not just the, the highest level Overwatch League scene, but maybe also want to foster the, the grassroots portion of the scene as well. And, and here's another good way of putting this here is that let's uh, think about this from a bigger point of view. Team Liquid was paying the salaries of all the players on their roster when they competed under the Team Liquid brand in order to get that contender spot. Effectively, one of the value things that Team Liquid built there was earning that spot, and they earned that spot as an organization by paying their players a salary. Therefore, Team Liquid absolutely should have had ownership of that spot to do with it however they wish, whether it be, you know, trying out new roster of players or selling it to a different team. Yeah. I mean, I think this season one is a special situation, too. Like, I don't think we will see many organizations just leave after they've qualified for a contender spot. You know, that I, we shouldn't see that in the future. This is just a very unique position given that Overwatch League is just about to start and people obviously finding out more details about that all and what it means to actually be part of it. So season two and three and four, I don't, I don't see this happening very, very often. But to your point, yeah, I, I think that it's good to have this. It's good to even have the brands involved in the contenders because who's going to, nobody's going to watch it. If it's just a bunch of no, you know, like these names that nobody even heard of team names. FNRGRE. Yeah. Like nobody's going to watch that. Like the first time around, like. Although Bazooka Puppies is a phenomenal brand. I will give them that. (laughs) To that point though, Ben, for the record is that I have given plenty of people from FNRGFE shit. Anytime I have seen them going, please choose a real name. I've harassed Matt about it. I've harassed Buds. I mean, pick a player in FNRGFE. It's just, guys, please fix it. (laughs) Now they're Uh, they're going to keep it because of that. The long history of funny names in esports. You know, you got to have a team name that communicates very, very clearly that you are an amateur team. 
and then you want to be sponsored. And bird noises, you know, FNRGFE, you know, the weirder the better. The far, yeah, as far as I my dog. Never my dog. Exactly. My dog. My <laughs> dog was sponsored very quickly. So there might, dog, no. there might be something. <laughs> to the I didn't want to that... hear that people saying my dong on broadcast. That's why they <laughs> said this. Mean. The legendary trolls. <laughs> it, was, it was an altruistic stuff. move. <laughs> right. If you want to get sponsored real quickly, just uh, go for the name My Dog. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. Another bit of news, good good news for a, a member of Team England, is that it, there's rumor that Christopher is going to be the sixth man for Envision, so getting a chance to compete in Overwatch contenders. And uh, Christopher played well this past weekend. I'd ha- you'd have to think it has a lot to do with that. And that's great. It's definitely great news. I mean, if people are getting opportunities like that, Again, hopefully, more more of the uh, England English team will will get, you know, be able to um, you know parlay some of the the good play they had this weekend too. Well, I just hope that if that is true, that they have gotten a sponsorship lined up with Kleenex because Christopher will be having tears streaming down <laughs> his face as he realizes that he's unable to play with Cruz while being on that team. The bromance <laughs> will be getting broken up. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> he's he's definitely. The I don't know the teddy bear I guess on that team, but um, let's see any other bit of news that we missed here. Uh, might have left off anything else. I don't, I don't think so. It seems to be a lot I think of. About the thing is like, man, yeah, there's so much floating around in the ether, yeah. but you know, you're gonna have to like, you know, the general public's gonna have to be patient for about a week because there's gonna be a lot of a lot of stuff incoming. Like, yeah. Not like not just about everything about every team in the league. I have heard so many rumors. I don't know which ones are true. Let's, let's just say I, I kind of wish the show this keep week. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. That's all I'm going to say. Yo, we StarCraft now. Announcement of, announcements of announcements. I mean, exactly. Let's go. let's go. Build the hype. <laughs> I love it. Let's just say I wish our show would have been on Friday this week. Maybe there's there's supposedly a lot of stuff coming out. and I don't actually know it either. So me and Ben are kind of like, but I've definitely been hearing the rumor mills about lots of things coming out. So next week should be epic. Next week we should have tons of stuff to talk about, as always. Uh, but why don't we do some Q&A? We've got a, an email question here from Evan N. And he asks, who do you think the best players in the world are at their respective roles or characters? Love the show and keep up the good work. So we always, you know, there's like a reoccurring question. Like every like three months, four months, we, we seem to get this question. And it's always good to talk about just because I think when, when we're talking about uh, players and you know, just even celebrity aspect of players, or even just just as a caster's EP, you know, and and for us to find favorite players and things like that, it's good to have them, you know, be regarded as number one X in the world or just the best, you know, uh, Winston player in the world, whatever it is. So right now, do you think there are any players that do nab those roles right now? Because um, you know, sometimes it's not very obvious or it's not very clear because there's just a lot of players are very very good at certain characters but right now is there somebody that would stand out to you guys i feel like boombox made a good case for himself this weekend oh man this is like the hardest question in the world because it team play is 80 percent of this game like for the most part so i I wouldn't say team play is 80 percent of the I don't know. I wouldn't say team plays 8% of the game. I think there are, like, very big individual differences. The question is, though, is that is there such an individual difference that you can ever declare, like, this player is number one, that player is number one? I think sometimes there can be. Right now, I think it's pretty difficult because there's definitely a top tier, but drawing differences between the top tier. 
is pretty difficult. If there is one thing though, where I'll say one person, at least in recent memory, is like really stood above the pack, is and it's sort of like this is a sub character, right? But so when you look at Diva, you have normal Diva plays and what you do in the mech, and then baby Diva plays what you do in out of the mech. And <laughs> I will say, like without doubt, Matt's baby Diva play has been like above pretty much anything I have okay, seen. Just because that. his ability yeah. to read back like real quickly is just. It's actually absurd. Never mind support kills and everything else. Like, I would put Matt as number one baby diva, but other than that, in terms of other roles and whatnot, there's always just like a top tier. Brand is still the best soldier player in the game and probably always will be, uh, banned or not. Uh, he's, he's a freak. There's rumor that there's an alt floating around. <laughs> uh, he is hardware banned, I believe. So Oh, he's hardware banned. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> That could be just complete room. The friend's in the tough spot these days, but, you know, he's still, in my mind, having, I remember, I, I was actually so sad when he got banned because playing against Defran made me so much better. Like, you, ha you have to play smarter than Defran because you you won't out-aim him, like, and he knows that too. So he's going to force you to, like, take aim duels with him every single time you can because he will win the aim duel, and he knows he'll win the aim duel. So he will force them constantly over and over again. So playing against Defran, you have to, like, like, you can only beat him by by great teamwork and like perfect play so he he elevates as, as a dps player playing against the fan I, I never learned more than, than when i was matched up against the fan i never had you know a, a, a hotter crucible in which to forge my ability than the fans aim you know it's like make a mistake you will die you will hit every headshot so you need to not make that mistake and you know you need to you need to put him in a position where you can't lose the fight instead of a position where it's just highly advantaged right because mm -hmm. that kind of fight you're not beating the fan a lot of people in chat are throwing out Flower. Uh, I have to agree. I was talking about Flower way before he was on winning teams. Uh, this guy's aim is just insane. I, I have to agree with you, Twitch chat. What, Flower for number one soldier? I mean, just for DPS in general, but yeah. The really hard thing is, like, so many different players, it's like you could say, oh, Flower's a projectile DPS player. But, like, the characters that he actually plays and, and the way he even plays those characters is dictated by, you know, his teammates and the people around him. So I think the struggle in trying to really say best X role, best Y role, is is there's so um, even within only one character, there's a million ways you can play it depending on the team. You know, depending on what your team needs from you. Like you know, sometimes you're you're playing it wrong if you're not more aggressive. Sometimes you're playing it wrong if you're not more passive. You know, and and so the the in my mind, the best player is the player who can fill you know exactly what his team needs and do it insanely well. And a player like Flower is so versatile. That you know, he certainly meets those criterion, but that's just what makes it so hard, right? It's like you, you, there's, it's very, very hard to compare apples to apples because there's very, very few players who are who fill exactly the same role on two different well, teams, right? Because well, what, well, perhaps the same role doesn't exist on two different teams. I, I completely agree. And one thing I note there too is that, like, not only are there different ways of playing different characters, there's also like different ways which people rate stuff, like. Uh, to give you an idea, like people, some, some people in chat are going, well, if a player is very versatile, does that make them the best player? It's like, yeah. well, yes and no. It makes them a really versatile player, but there are times in Overwatch where just having a player that's overwhelmingly dominant in one role is better than having the player that can play everything, especially if you're in a meta where you just need that player on that hero like 90% of the time. So uh, that's the reason why it's difficult to say, well, this is the top tier player of X and the undisputed number one because... As Jake just alluded to, 
a lot of it is situational based. A lot of it is team based. And also, I mean, there are players where you could go at a tracer and be like, well, this tracer is better at, say, getting pulse bombs, but this tracer is better at getting one clips with uh, pistols. So, I mean, it, it, it varies. Yeah. Well, can we, is it safe to say that Flower's the best Junkrat, at least? Is there a better Junkrat? Catch, me, out catch there? me a BlizzCon, Flower. <laughs> oh. oh. Okay, okay. So, uh, Chris, I don't know if we have another question uh, queued up. No, we don't, actually. So I'm going to interject with a question of okay, my own. Sure. I forgot to bring up earlier, and this is to you, Jake. I, uh, Doomfist is probably going to be live in Contenders. I don't... Blizzard hasn't. I don't think they've it said is, anything uh, officially. No, this is. I believe that. Oh, is, is it? Have they said it? One hundred percent. They haven't said that, but I. It was, it was my understanding. It would be weird if he's not. The only the only reason that Doomfist was not live in the World Cup was because some of the group stages were played before Doomfist. Yeah, right. And they wanted so, all the group stages to be the same. So I cannot imagine that Contender yeah. Season yeah. One would not have Doomfist. It would not make I would sense. Be so shocked. So what do you think? Is he? Also, if, he if it's not played on a tournament client, it's not possible. Like like every tournament. I do. That is not on LAN has been played on you know the regular live client, so it's like they, you can't go back in time on patches without the tournament client. Right. So what do you think about Doomfist? Are we going to see a lot of them? A little he's of them? Is he strong? Well, is he weak? Is, he's good, but he's not overpowered. I think he's actually in a really great spot right now. Like there's so many people complaining on Reddit, and they're like, "Oh, this character's busted because I died. I can't do anything about it." But the thing is. The 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 really I, I hope Blizzard will realize that you have to stop listening to people who say those things because those are coming people who don't understand the game well enough to be making comments on balance. Um, I really it's frustrating to me, but it's like the counterplay to Doomfist is largely prior to the you know like when every one shot in the game inherently the counterplay is prior to the one shot, right? Like you play against Widow, you're not it's not surprising when you die in one shot you pick a sightline because you're like oh he had a big headshot. But if you're like a like a lower tier player, that's not happening very much because not many widows are hitting nasty headshots on you at, at the lower levels. And widows such a weak character that it's not super oppressive because of the way the one shot has to work. But you know the counterplay to Doomfist is positioned well so that you can't get bounced into a back wall, or that when you do have to peek a choke that would put you in a corridor where you're going to get bounced, you need to be ready to bait that punch and counterplay it, right? Because uh, the Doomfist when he goes for these plays, he's incredibly vulnerable. Once he gets a kill though, he's in an incredibly good position, you know. <laughs> I like his ZP. But when, once he gets that kill, and he can start to snowball the fight with shields. You know, he has a ton of potential. But he can also go the complete opposite way and just fail a kill and then immediately feed, which you have characters like, you know, Genji and Tracer are much better at making like a half commitment where they go in but still survive mm -hmm. even if they don't get kills. So right. I think Doomfist is a very all-in character. So, you know, he can, he can just as easily feed as he can, you know, get in an insane spree. So I think he's going to be an awesome character to watch because he can just totally snowball out of control and destroy a game. But uh, he's also, you know, I don't think OP whatsoever. I think if they at all nerf him, if the one-shot is not a one-shot anymore or they give him any sort of significant nerf, I don't think you'll ever see him played because I think he's so reliant on that one-shot ability. You know, you take away the Roadhog one-shot, the character's never going to get played again. I don't care what they do to that character. Unless they give him, like, 3,000 HP, people aren't going to be playing him again. Like, mm -hmm. you could make that... You could actually give the current Hog 1,000 HP, and I'm pretty sure he'd be worse. Because he just feeds more ultimate. Godly, like, that's brutal. I, I'm, like you that's know, totally you know what I mean. Brutal. Like you, you really destroy the design of a character by removing its core influential mechanic. You know, and both of these characters is one shot. So my my only hope and my my plea to Blizzard is don't ruin another character. Okay, so we we're gonna see triple 
quadruple. I mean, is this going to be ladder style where we see quadruple <laughs> DPS? You know, there's oh, only dude, like Zarya. single tank and single. Zarya's can... back, baby. I can't yeah, wait. Zarya is she back. Is That's true. And against Doomfist. She's That's a great, true. she's a great hero great. In, in, in the new patch. She's played a ton more in scrims. I don't know exactly where the meta's going to land, but with the change to grab, there's such a necessary change. It was insane. Part of the reason you couldn't run Zarya very much previously was because like half the characters in dive can escape the grab. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you get a six-man grab and it turns into a three-man grab. It's like, oh, well, all right. That's okay, I guess. You know? And, uh, you know, radically reduces the number of targets you have for it. But the, it's a really, really good change for the character. Um, the character fits so well. It's great synergy with Doomfist. The bubble keeps him alive, gets you yeah. high energy. Great uh, and grab combo with the uh, Doomfist ult is one of the best. Uh, you can burst through Transcendence and stuff and you can't be stopped by D.Va like a Pulse Bomb can. So yeah. there's a ton of synergy. I think you're going to see Zarya making a big comeback this patch. Maybe even a little bit of Ryan, although to be honest, really? Ryan just still feels incredibly weak to me. Some people have been playing him in like scrims and stuff, but I'm really unconvinced. Like I've seen other teams do it. I just, I really resist it. I think Ryan is going to be one of the worst characters again once people start to figure out the patch. I mean, why would you play Ryan? Like, I mean, I know Ryan and Zarya always, you know, it's, it's always very I, good I've combo, seen a bit but still. Actually, um, being a little bit more popular. Um, double shield tanks with mm -hmm. so like like to have more sustain and, and delay to let your doomfist make plays with like a soldier and then on to tank him. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like th there's ways to to make it work, but I Ryan just feels so weak to teams that know how to kite him. He feels mm -hmm. so ineffective and such like a you know a waste of a hero when you could have a hero like Winston or Diva or Zarya that can just like take control of the game, take control of a team fight. So yeah, he's a huge enabler hero, but the heroes that he enables aren't that good anymore. To be honest, I think if Roadhog is not good again, Reinhardt will not be good again. Nope. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I think we might see more Ryan is because Zarya and Ryan have a you know yeah. combo pretty pretty well, uh, and, and we've already started to see a slight bit more Ryan, especially on uh, certain tighter points like, uh, of course, like King's Row uh, defense. You know, you might still see a Ryan, but. Uh, yeah, I hope we see a little bit more. It would be nice. That that buff to swing speed, not really making too big a difference, though. All right. Uh, we, got, we might have time for one or two more questions. So anybody in the Twitch chat got a question, go ahead and... and um, well, uh, Felder TV asks, what are some locations you'd like to see for OWL teams, some more additional cities? Chris, any, any thoughts? Any cities? Yeah, which which additional locations? Uh, I'd like to see Seattle. I'm I'm just a West yeah, Coast. Let's get some guy. BMW. Let's go. BMW. <laughs> what? BMW. Or Pacific Northwest. BMW. Oh, B oh yeah, yeah. BMW. Pacific Northwest, man. Get some yeah, Pacific Seattle. Northwest. More central teams. There's only like Toronto would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Chicago. Chicago. Would be. Chicago. Chicago. Would be great. Chicago. Yeah. I'd love to see like maybe even a Vancouver team. Maybe a second Canadian team would be cool. Let's yeah. just go all the way up the West Coast. Uh, I'm, I'm all about that, that West I Coast. Wanna visit, I want to visit Vancouver. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, obviously, you, uh, Europe only has one team so far. The German so team would be good. Paris. I would love, you know, I would love to see Paris Rogue. Oh, my God. How insane. Yeah. How cool would that be? The they, six French players of yeah, Paris. That would be awesome. That, I would just love to see that. They seem to be received really, really well over there. You know, like with the marketing of the World Cup team. I, I mean, I think even the... The nation, the government, the government tweeted. Tweeted. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. They, like, lit up the Eiffel Tower. It was insane. Like they're super supportive. Yeah, so uh, I think there's, there's, we're gonna see more Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah Detroit, yeah. obviously. Detroit, Detroit Renegades. Yeah, Detroit Renegades. I'm not sure if Detroit's a huge market though, but um, yeah, and, and the Renegades are there. That's for sure. 
Uh, I think that's, I mean, anything else like an, an Asian team? I mean, Tokyo team would be love interesting. Like a Mexico City team. That'd be kind of cool, too. That would be awesome, yeah. I mean, Carlos yeah. Slim, what's up? Like in the in in like oh, our ideal on. vision for Overwatch League, I'd like to see you know a Brazilian team, a team in Mexico City. I'd like to see Japan, like Tokyo, get a team like that. That's kind of pipe dream slash three to five years from now type talk. Uh, obviously, every major metropolitan city, it would be sick if there was a team. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get yeah, this. Is where I pop hopefully. back in the conversation uh, and say, look, can we please get a Minnesota team? Like, oh, it's God. a case. Uh, Good luck. Good luck, buddy. No, okay. It, people do not respect this, but Minneapolis-St. Paul is one of the. It is one of the most fervent sports areas in the world, as far as like fan base goes. Like people love the crap out of the Vikings, the Twins, the Twin Cities team, man. The the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves. We sometimes think that they're not there because they've been really poor at times for a long time. But hey, at least the other three teams were very big sports fans of. Yeah, I just I have a hard time seeing that being one of the first cities, though, just given markets. But you know, we never know where the money is, man. There might be some body with a lot of money in Minnesota that might, you know, that that's the whole thing, right? It's whoever it's has the money, they can dictate where they want to put put this team, you know, or at least as long as Blizzard approves it. So um, I, it'd be pretty crazy to say that if Blizzard rejected certain locales. I, I can't quite see that happening, but you never know. Um, looks like Tusk... I think there's... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you have another question? Yeah, there's another question okay. here. So Tusk G Air asks, um, do you guys think Deathmatch will be a good place to stash people who clearly didn't care about practicing for a competitive, ruining the game for people who want to play properly? So let's take some salt in this question. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of NACL out there. I mean, I, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, like, if you I mean, don't care, why not? Yeah. Like, if you don't, if you don't want to play as a team, go play deathmatch. Like, I, I hope so. I'm gonna be using deathmatch just to warm up. But I'm gonna be probably not playing ranked anymore. I just want to play deathmatch. <laughs> really? That looks sick. It's like you just but, aim training. That's all you were ever getting out of ranked anyway. Jake, what if we take it a step further and then we have ranked deathmatch? Oh, now that is what I really should be. Right? Because the problem is, if you do deathmatch and it's like you're putting a bronze player in the games with me, the bronze player is not gonna play anymore. Like he's gonna leave. So. I think I think there's going to be secret elo, at least like quick play elo, where be, yeah. like like quick play is exactly the same as ranked, aside from the different like rule set. Like you actually do, you do have a, an MMR in quick play, you just can't see it. Um, but there, that is that very much does exist. So I would be surprised if this game mode gets implemented if there wasn't a system like that. Uh, I don't know if this is maybe the final implementation of that match. Maybe there's you know more to come. I think Blizzard is very you know, open-minded and they're, they're going to look to integrate, you know, new features and, and sort of give the community what it wants as far as what, what exact will, uh, deathmatch and modes and maps there'll be. Um, I'd love to see a 1v1 mode personally, um, like a better one that's not like 1v1 elimination. <laughs> you get to right. fight once every, you know, 60 seconds. Uh, if they, you know, had a higher, mm-hmm. a higher pace 1v1 mode, I think that'd be really, really cool. Uh, oh, maybe big champions. Like a, yeah. Yeah, like a 2v2 mode. You know, I, I, I do in, in Celsius, so I do think there's potential for like, um, more game modes outside of the 6v6 that, that can make Overwatch more fun, even if they're not played competitively or they're not the, the main competitive format. I don't think they ever will be, but I think they could really make the game a better experience for everyone. I, I, I want to see what the meta is in Deathmatch. That's the most intriguing part to me. Like, is it just literally going to be six deeps or is there going to be place for a healer? Or is Mercy going to be a must with the res? Like, I don't know about Mercy. You In, in the FFA scenario, you can't res anyone, so can't res oh, yourself. Yeah, FFA. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just team deathmatch, well, right? Well, just change yeah. it to reverse resurrection where you hit the button and then five people around you just keel over just die. <laughs> That's where Mercy... 
Everybody Only if you're using the devil skin. No, no, listen. (laughs) It's been established in Game of Thrones that only death can pay for life. So the real true story is that Mercy is killing people in deathmatch to later resurrect people in the real game. What kind of that would be an awesome mechanic (laughs) if if Mercy did have something like that freaking freaking death counter to yeah that would be amazing. Um, I have I have one more question from uh, K O R or Core in chat yep i don't know if any of us will know the answer or if we do probably can't say it anyway but i'll ask it anyway this is for c9 do you think both rosters join together for owl and generally like i I would just add to that like do we think the na roster is getting dropped are they going to cherry pick the best players from both teams i have no idea what's going to happen what do you guys think well uh, or no i mean what we do know is that some players are still on their roster but they're free to be looking for other teams right um, so I would guess they're going to combine. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Uh, no leaks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I, leaks. I, no I leaks. I have a feeling that, uh, some of our guests might know what's happening here, but, uh, I certainly don't. Uh, I, I mean, I, everyone's always felt like sure for, uh, like the, the, the combo of like sure for Adam, they've been playing together for so long. Like you can build a roster around these players. Like they, they have that level of talent. Uh, so it would be a bit of a surprise to me if they're dropped. Like, I wonder if maybe they're going to combo, like, the best players from each team after looking into it. But at the same time, if you have Surefor, you know, you're, you, that means you also have the, the buyout clause to Surefor. So that's valuable for Cloud9 as well. So I have well, no idea. The big thing is, is that why would, why would you drop somebody if they're, you know, as good as Surefor is right now, right? I mean, he's... He's still arguably one of the best Pharahs and, you know, just very, very capable in, in all the DPS roles. So it's, well, I don't know, it, it would it would be shocking. Unless you're just, you know, just want to get somebody new in here because Sherford's been around for too long. And well, same goes for Adam. Is, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with him. The, the reason would be is you want to have a happy player, right? Where, like, so one thing I think people don't realize when you get into really team building for Overwatch League is that, you're going to have cases where you'll want players that are on for depth. You will want players for starters. You're going to need a more well-built team than what you have right now. Like the idea that you're going to have teams in Overwatch League, they're just like your core of six players that don't change up from map to map. That's not going to be happening. The well-built teams will be swapping people in and out, but there will be some players that are effectively starters that are in more than others. So let's say you're going at the Laser Kittens roster. Maybe they want to stick with what they have now, and even though they could keep on Share 4 for depth and all the rest, there's no saying that a player like Share 4 would necessarily be happy with that arrangement. Like, Share 4 is a good enough player that I'd imagine that for his Overwatch League endeavors, he would be wanting to be going for a full-on starter position where he is playing most of the reps and he's not getting swapped out as often as others. So... What you're sort of indirectly getting is that could you keep Share 4 and keep him on as a bench depth player? Well, yeah. But you also want Shereford to be happy, and given his level of skill, I assume Shereford would want to make sure that he's on a team where he would be in that position. Yeah, fair enough. It'll be weird talking about Cloud9 without Shereford. <laughs> that would be definitely a new one for everybody in the community, given that he's one of the original. Um, let's see, anything else? There's some some questions about NRG's roster, but that seems to be every. <laughs> Every week, uh, uh, who'll see says LGE question mark. 
Oh, oh man, that's a yes. LGE I mean, that's just, question that's just mark. A, that's not even a question, but yes. I, I'm just going to pose it as a question. Okay, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll put you on the spot uh, here. Jake. Okay, you, uh, you can answer it if you can, or you can't. You know, I, I'll, 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 uh, no, no comment for now. I mean, uh, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the future holds. Okay, cool. All right, I won't I won't ask more than. <laughs> um all right well i think that's it that's all we got for today we actually actually had a shorter show today it's amazing we we, we pulled it off for once uh but jake thanks for hanging out with us today i know um you know i know it's like a crazy busy weekend and obviously afterwards celebrating but you know again congrats to to you and the usa team and everybody involved and we're gonna be cheering hard for you you still got home home uh court advantage at blizzcon so you know, definitely going to be the entire crowd, or at least most of the crowd, is going to be rooting for you guys. Hey, BlizzCon is an international show. You never know how many players or Come how on. many fans from other regions are going to show up. Come on, please. Please. It's out there, be. you know, crowd shows up ready to support a whole bunch of teams, honestly, because, you know, who knows uh, uh, what the series will hold at BlizzCon. You know, it's anybody's game. Uh, there's a lot of really dominant teams out there, but, you know, there's a lot of potential for upsets as well. So I would say it's it's going to be a huge tournament to watch no matter what happens. Uh, I'm just so psyched and incredibly grateful to be able to be going there as a player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Big shout out to the, the committee too. We never give love to, to Jason Stern and Kai Kai, of course. Yeah, major, major love to Kai Kai, honestly. Uh, you know, just a, I got to give him a huge shout out as always. You know, I think he uh, really stepped up to be like the coach of the team, uh, even though, you know, he's still a committee member, quote unquote. He, I, I mean, I, I think of him as a coach, I would say, and, you know, he's just been really, really amazing in that capacity in, you know, shaping us well as a team, uh, but also, you know, helping each individual on the team become exactly what Team USA needed them to be. Uh, and, you know, I'm no exception to that. So I really do appreciate Kyle. He's put in a ton of work for us and I think has been integral to our success. I don't think we'd be here without him. Nobody wears those tights like him, too, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. He looks good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, any shout-outs you want to do before you take off? Uh, besides Kyle, yeah. uh, just um, a huge shout-out to everybody that came out to support um, or supported on Twitch. You know, it means a ton to us as players. We, we really, everyone on Team USA has a huge appreciation for all the support we've gotten, um, especially after, you know, the initial doubt in social media. So, you know, that people have really turned around on us and, and been really supportive is just awesome. So thank you guys for that. I hope you continue to support. Uh, if you ever see me in an event or whatever, don't hesitate, or me or anyone else on Team USA, don't hesitate to ask for, you know, an autograph or a picture or something. We, we love interacting with fans because they've been so great to us. I said hi to this this to you this weekend, and you just you thought I was, I was a fan. <laughs> I was like, hello. <laughs> after, the, after they won, I'm like, yo, Jake, congrats, man. He said, thank you for your support and kept walking. I was in such like, a daze. Actually, I think when you did that, see I was later, like, Jake. Oh, another interview. I had like 30 seconds or something, so. Uh, no, I specifically told Jake to give you the cold shoulder. Don't think that there's no maliciousness involved here. I was secretly plotting against you. <laughs> Oh my god. As always, ZP. As yeah, always. As always, <laughs> exactly, right. Um, but uh ZP, you want to do any shout outs? I mean, aside from the normal, you can follow me on Twitter at Tempo ZP and, and honestly, just big shouts to everyone who showed up uh, over the weekend for the Santa Monica group stage, everyone that has been supporting the Overwatch World Cup so far, everyone that supports Overwatch esports in general. Uh I do feel like we are at the beginning of a very exciting ride right now and it's just been fun. Thank you so much to everyone. Now you got contenders, right? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Van, how about you? Shoutouts? Uh, man, World Cup was an awesome five weeks. Uh, I'm just, I'm like kind of bummed. We have to wait literally three months uh, to see how World Cup ends. Uh, but it was a pleasure to watch. Viewership yeah. was great. Chat was great. The crowds were great. Uh, a lot of really cool storylines, like a lot of a lot of new players popping up, a lot of uh, upsets, in my opinion. Um, uh, it was just a ton of fun to watch. Duh, Contenders does start this week, though. So mm-hmm. this weekend, Contenders will be kicking off. So plenty more Overwatch esports to watch and potentially probably 98% with Doomfist. So I'm super excited to tune into that as well. Uh, plenty more Overwatch to watch, but man. It's going to be a while to see the, the conclusion of uh, of all this World Cup stuff. Um, but yeah, you can follow me at Fishsticks. Uh, we'll see you next week, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yeah, seven yeah. weeks, guys. Overwatch Contenders. I, I didn't even get a chance to show the schedule, but um, yeah, it's it's seven weeks leading up to, uh, basically just leading up to BlizzCon or anything that's going on with Overwatch League. So, um, you know, we've got plenty to watch. And, um, you know, I guess I want to thank all three of you guys for doing the show with me uh, today. And Cruz has been in the chat here, so I definitely want to give a shout out to obviously to, to Team UK too and, and their committee members too, Numlocked, Hayes, and Stylosa. Stylosa, I have to say one thing about Stylosa is that I had uh, Stylosa on as a guest on my other show, Overwatchers, and he was like totally like touting up the UK team and saying that they've been playing amazing and very, very cohesive group. And, and um, you know, so. It wasn't a complete surprise for me to see UK doing it as well as they did, given that he was just really building it up. But, uh, you know, so, you know, big kudos to that team, too, and and uh, just all the hard work that they've been doing all, all this entire time. But I'm really, really psyched for BlizzCon. I think it's going to be a super hype event. I'm hoping for some upsets there because I think that's just going to be only good for esports Overwatch. So, um, you know, I, I can't wait to actually go be sitting in the crowd, hopefully in the stadium room this year and not in just that, that section. We'll have to see. But, um, you know, if not, if it's still StarCraft, I think I'll still be okay with that too. <laughs> Anyways, check out the VODs on youtube.com slash V. Find us on iTunes by searching for the overview or Overwatch. And you can find it on SoundCloud too, soundcloud.com slash V. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for Jake, ZP, Fish Sticks, and myself, Cham V. We'll see you next week.